Hello, thank you for tuning in. You are listening to the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. For network or show information, visit byteradio.me or call 843-808-0777. And now, the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Good day, everyone, and thank you for joining us for this edition of the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Today, my special guest is Mary Ann Bohr, and we are talking about her new book, The Gift Within Us, Intuition, Spirituality, and the Power of Our Inner Voice. One of the most important forms of communication, intuition, is often overlooked and misunderstood by many people. In The Gift Within Us, author Mary Ann Bohr, explores the subject of intuition through interviews with scientists, paranormal researchers, and 33 highly gifted intuitives from around the world who share their stories in individual profile chapters. Ultimately, we learn that every individual has access to this amazing divine wisdom simply by listening to our own inner voice. The process is simple, but the rewards are profound. Mary Ann Bohr is a public relations consultant and author of the new book that we just spoke about. Mary Ann was also the director of Global PR for the pharmaceutical company uh, Pharmacia and Upjohn and has been president of Bohr Public Relations for over a decade, representing numerous clients, including Pfizer, the NFL, Home Box Office, Johnson & Johnson, the Miss America Organization, Children's Miracle Network, and the Pittsburgh Penguins. In addition, oh, excuse me, uh, for more information, you can visit her website, which is maryannboer.com, and that's M-A-R-Y-A-N-N-B-O-H-R-E-R.com. So with that, I'd like to welcome Marianne to the show. Good day. Hi, Robert. Nice to be here. Thank you, and it's nice to have you here. And, and boy, those um, we're going to talk about many, but those very interesting stories of those intuitives, and it's a it's very it's a page turner. So I'm looking forward to talking about it. But um, let's go, let's go ahead and first start with um, what inspired you, you know, to write this particular book. Well, it's been a long time uh, since I was first inspired. Um, I'm a PR person by trade, and I lived in New York City for some years, and I had a client that came to me um, in 1997 and said that he's putting up a big digital clock in Midtown Manhattan, 34th Street and 8th, and he wanted national press for this digital clock, which he was calling the Millennium Clock because it was counting down the day, seconds, and minutes until the year 2000. Now, you remember uh, Y2K, back then, everybody was scared out of their wits. They thought the world was going to end oh, <laughs> when yeah. we hit the oh, millennium. Yeah, or... Computers it was weren't going to work. Airplanes were going to fall from the sky. <laughs> yeah. it, 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 there was mass panic. And so uh, this this client who actually owned a lot of franchise restaurants like TGI Fridays, et cetera, I had no clue why he wanted to put up this big digital clock uh, from a marketing perspective, I mean, yes, there were logos of his restaurants around the clock, but it made no sense. But anyway, I was given the assignment to get national press for this clock. So I had the inspiration to find really highly gifted psychics and mediums, um, not storefront psychics. I wasn't going to be lazy and just grab anybody. But I found 24 highly gifted psychics and mediums, and I staged a press conference 
a thousand days before the year 2000. It was April 97 to um, launch, you know, this clock. And I sat the intuitives at different tables in a TGI Fridays, and 75 journalists showed up to this thing. That's a huge number of, of journalists, including the Wall Street Journal, um, CBS News, as well as like Entertainment Tonight, Inside Edition, those types of media. And they could each have three minutes with each of these gifted people and ask them about the millennium, world event issues, celebrity questions, or even personal questions. And the reason I mention this is, yes, it did generate huge amounts of national and even global press. Um, but there's two other reasons. The guy from the Wall Street Journal came up to me after the, after this event, and he was shaking, and his face was just white. And he said, Marianne, I confess I came here to make fun of these gifted people, but they were so accurate that I'm still in shock. And the other reason is I ended up becoming, and still am, close friends with a number of the really gifted people. And as as over the years, it annoyed me as a communicator to see how these people who are just really doing good and helping others have been perceived by the media and the general public, oh, they've got to be woo-woo, fakes, charlatans, whatever you want to call it, um, just hanging out a shingle to make money. Well, no, in fact, I start to tell their stories in this book. Many of them as young children felt that they were gifted. Some were confused or scared by it. Uh, some just felt everybody was like them and could see Grandpa in the corner. But many were bullied by other kids and other people, and some were closeted, uh, didn't really come out as being psychic till they were older. Some tried to actually just reject it, but it, it was a very strong gift. And <clears throat> many um, over the years developed their ability, and, and still today they help many people. So I write the stories of these 33 highly gifted people, both in the U.S. and actually some are from other countries around the world, and each story is very different, and that's what you were referring to earlier. No two stories are alike, and, and they not only tell their stories of how they were as children. Some came to it very late in life, and they're like 40s, but majority is children. And they also impart what they've learned that they want to share with others about maybe the afterlife or the universe or whatever it is they want to impart. So at the end of each chapter is this kind of what I call a pearl of wisdom from these wonderful people. And um, basically one of the reasons I wanted to do this or felt drafted, quite frankly, to do it is to change the way people view intuition and highly gifted people because there's a stereotype, a negative stereotype around these topics. There shouldn't be because we all, we're not all super gifted psychics. I'm not saying that. Um, but we all have access mm -hmm. to this divine wisdom, this divine guidance, just by listening to our own inner voice. It's it's easy and simple to do. The one thing that stands in the way is something that many of us have a problem with. It's our ego. Uh, if you take your ego down a couple pegs, be humble and just listen, we're all getting inspirations pretty much every day. Um, and it would be wise yeah. to kind of listen to some of them. Yeah, it, it certainly can be helpful. Now, you know, you were talking about the, you know, the reputation. And in your book, you do have um, a, a section where you, you know, go through um, like a brief overview uh, of how uh, intuitives are treated throughout history. And, and I found that interesting because you, you know kind of way back when in, in biblical times that, um, you know, it, it wasn't always viewed you know, in such a detrimental way or such a, you know, negative way. 
Yeah, they were revered and used by kings. Uh, there were different periods in history when people with these abilities were, were put on a pedestal. Um, there were other times they were persecuted. So it, I found that to be interesting as well. Um, certainly Native Americans really, I mean, they had their shaman in the tribe, which would help them uh, know what's going to come or if there's going to be a drought or whatever. So different cultures at different times in history have viewed these gifts differently. And I'm thinking... We're on the verge now. It's different than it was 20 years ago, uh, the way people with these abilities are viewed. It's a little more respected. And with this pandemic, which has humbled every last one of us, um, a lot more people are kind of listening now and understanding that really, just like before we had cell phones, do you remember? We didn't have access to the Internet anywhere we, we chose to, to find it. We didn't have a cell phone. We just had a regular phone. Well, this form of communication, intuition... I think is often overlooked or demeaned uh, in culture, and it's time we kind of tuned in because the, the the inspiration is coming from, well, whatever you want to call it. I call it the powers that be, our guides, angels, God, our higher self, whatever. And they're often wiser than we are, and um, we kind of need to tune in and listen now more than ever because look at the state of the world right now. I know, boy. I mean, it is really... Um, showing us a lot. I mean, you know, it's really forced um, some retrospection, you know, on everyone's part, you know, while we're, we're in this period. And and hopefully, you know, we, we learn from it. Um, now, you mentioned that, you know, one of the goals was to, you know, kind of give credence, you know, and support those intuitives, you know, that um, are kind of given a bad rap sometimes. But, and also, um, another part of your book is um, the idea of the inner voice um, and, and the, the power of our own inner voice. So uh, could you, would you mind sharing with us, you know, um, that aspect of the book? You know, why focus on that? Yes, definitely. When I first started writing this book, it, it came from that place of wanting to defend my friends and I actually had a different working title for the book, like something about my best friends or psychics or something. And then it evolved organically over time into my guides basically saying to me, there's more to this story. Part of the reason as a PR people, I, I kind of changed the image of certain things. And my mandate here from my powers that be said, if you legitimize and change the way people view intuition and gifted intuitives, then they'll be more open to being able to listen to their own inner voice. And, you know, it's there are books and books written on how to develop your psychic abilities and all of that, and it seems that each one, and, and they're valid. I mean, each one has more steps than the next, and sometimes it's overwhelming. And what I've learned or what I was message I was given to give is it's very simple. I'm a very bad meditator. I have great respect for people who can meditate and do it for hours. I'm a white knuckler. So I used to joke sometimes they would get me in the morning before I'm awake or in the shower or whatever, <laughs> uh -huh. you know, or bang me over the head with a kind of rubber mallet. Oh, you know, I finally get it. Now I've learned to develop that muscle. But every single last one of us, I don't care if you're religious, what religion you are or any of that, this transcends religion. This is a form of communication, this intuition that we all have access to. And you just really have to understand that I have six simple steps in the book on how to access your inner voice. And they're very basic. 
I mean, the biggest one is, again, take your ego down a few pegs, be humble and listen. Because oftentimes, I mean, we've all had those gut feelings, Robert. Uh, Maybe we drive our kid to school, but one day we're feeling we need to take another route. Or your rational mind is telling you one thing, you need to take that job or move. Your intuition, your gut feeling is, oh, no, I better not do it. You'd be wise to pay attention to that. But every day we're getting kind of inspirations and, and messages, and it's it's nothing scary. We're not hearing voices necessarily or anything. It's just like receiving a thought in your head. And not every thought is coming from this divine place. But oftentimes um, th- th- we are being inspired. And another one of these steps is um, ask for help. A lot of people, I was raised Catholic, and there are words, and I, I still love the Catholic religion, and I respect other religions, etc., but I remember there was a phrase, I'm not worthy to receive you. Well, yes. no. <laughs> they they welcome <laughs> us asking for help. They're not too busy to help us. In fact, that they yearn for our communication. Like I have this receiver in my hand right now talking to you. What my guides told me to tell people is that when you do that and you're talking and you're asking for help, sometimes you might be thinking, Oh, who's really listening to me? I'm, I'm, am I being foolish? What's this? Well, no, they have the other receiver in, up to their respective ear. They're listening. So just kind of get over it and understand that if we do ask for help, often it does come. Now, I will say there are certain times when maybe you don't get an answer. And life is a school, so we are meant to grow. Sometimes we're meant to go through some things, just like your child skins their knee. I mean, it's a learning process. So mm-hmm. sometimes the answers don't come super easily, and that's fine because you're learning on your own. However, in my experience, many times you will get some kind of answer, some doors will open. It's it's phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. It, it is funny. It's kind of like um, like the walkie-talkie. I mean, you know, until you send out that initial, you know, message, you know, the, you know, the other end is not going to be able to respond, you know. So that, you know, and – since we're, you know, you mentioned a couple of those uh, six steps, um, training your voice, let's kind of go through each of them and because I think uh, people, the listeners will then realize how easy they are. Now, um, you, you talked about um, being humble. The humility. Ego down yeah. You. yeah. Yeah, I'd be happy to go through them quickly. I mean, they're very kind sure. of common sense. But the first one is quiet your mind. I, like I said, I'm a white knuckler. It's hard for me. But when you're making a big decision or, or just even asking a simple question, take a moment, take a breath. Even I can do this. Just just access your inner voice, clear out your mind, become as peaceful and relaxed as possible. That's good. That's easier to receive any information. The second one I mentioned, which is be humble and take your ego down a few pegs. The third one is, again, obvious. Trust your gut. Again, if you're feeling deeply, and we all know that feeling, we've all had that, that something isn't right with a certain way our rational mind is telling us to go. Listen to that. You're not getting that feeling just out of the blue. Someone asked me, Marianne, sometimes are we getting those feelings, and, and if we follow that, we're going in the wrong direction? And I said, no. We wouldn't be getting those feelings if we weren't being led to maybe the right path to take. So do trust mm-hmm. your gut. It's, it's valid. Um, ask for help. I mentioned that already. That we, I say, do you think that God, the universe, and the powers that be are too busy to care about our personal problems and answer our questions? And I say, you would be wrong because they really 
they're there to help guide us. That's that's what they do. So um, the fifth one is be open and believe that we're not alone in this world. You know, sometimes just because we can't see them, uh, that those energies, those guides, we don't think that they're there. But truthfully, we've all had that experience where we kind of know we're getting inspired or we've had an idea that we know is not coming from our rational mind. Realize that, that they're there and they're they're here to help us. You can define it as your higher self, God, greater good, whatever you choose to call it. In your heart of hearts, you already probably realize this, that you have access to this um, this truth and this wisdom. You just have to have the confidence to truly believe what you probably already know. And then the last one is, Become adept at hearing your inner voice. Just like me, I mean, it took me a while to kind of develop that muscle. But there are truly are times when I'm blown away by something I might get. For example, when you when you write a book and you have to have a title of the book, I must have had mm-hmm. 20 working titles for my book, really hard to <laughs> mm-hmm. choose. And same with the cover of my book. So I got the gift within us, and I got the subhead, intuition, spirituality, and power of our own inner voice. And then very clearly... I saw the cover of the book, which was a white, plain white book with a simple, beautiful gold bow going across it. So the book itself looks like a gift. I didn't want it to look new agey. I didn't want cosmos or you know anything on the cover. Mm-hmm. Um, it just needed to be simple. And who can argue with a gift? I mean, a gift is a positive thing. So that did come to me. And, and truthfully, I believe that was inspired. And I give credit where credit is due. Yeah, so yeah, that's, that is the, yeah, they are. And, and you know, that is um, when you talk about the, having those multiple titles. I know for my first book for, you know, almost a year, it was you know listed on my computer as the book, <laughs> you know. <laughs> was, yeah, just, <laughs> you know, it was like, and it wasn't until probably about three quarters of the way through it that, you know, the, the title Joy Potential came in, you know, and, and then it was like, ah. Okay, that's what that's what it's all talking about, and, and you know, and when you're talking about you know that inner voice in recognizing that, um, for me it, it it was really I'm kind of one of those that is you know, I well one intuitive did a reading for me one time and said you know your your guys are talking to you all the time but you're not listening you know so <laughs> I mean it's kind of like you know and, and for me, it was really hard to distinguish that monkey chatter mind, you know, that just kind of thought streams that keep going through versus some, you know, intuitive hit, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And for, for me, it ended up, you know, just kind of being, you know, just through a series of uh, recognizing that thoughts that pop in that are just completely out of the blue that have nothing to do with anything I've thought about maybe in, in months or whatever, but it's just something co- totally out of the blue. That is what kind of what then is like, huh, now nah, where did that come from? So then I think it was just by kind of going through and, you know, recognizing those and and um, kind of tapping into like what it felt like, you know, so that, that's kind of how I eased my way into it. Yeah, and it's a lot easier than people think, and it's not scary. If anything, um, the whole image of of these types of new age topics has always been very dark and scary and the haunting of and all of this stuff, when in fact the opposite is true. It's really about light and love and illumination. You know, it's really this time is very tough with the virus, but on the flip side, 
human consciousness is being raised like never before, you know. Um, so it, it really is about positive things. And um, I am very tired of the old stereotype of these new age things always having to be so dark and serious when, in fact, my particular guides um, have an enormous sense of humor. And, and sometimes very funny things happen. And sometimes I feel like, especially writing this book, I feel like I have my colleagues on this plane, but I also have my colleagues on that other plane. And I feel like sometimes I had access to the writer's room at Saturday Night Live. I mean, some of the <laughs> things they sent to me were incredibly funny. So there's a lot of humor there, um, which is not really portrayed in the media. It's it's a wonderful, wonderful thing to finally understand that we have we have this inspiration right at our fingertips. I mean, the other analogy they gave me was, have you ever seen the movie The Wizard of Oz? Oh, a few times. <laughs> a few times, right. We all have probably seen it. Well, I was, again, awakened one morning. I was awakened a lot writing this book with some idea I was to write down. And they said, okay, do you remember when Dorothy, you know, she went through the crazy flying monkeys were attacking her, and then the poppies, and she fell asleep, and all of this turmoil to get finally to Oz. Well, she gets there, and the poor wizard can't get her back to Kansas. So after what felt like hours of watching this movie, finally Glinda comes down, beautiful Glinda, and she says, but Dorothy, you've always had the power to go back to Kansas. And Dorothy finally says, oh, wow, that's true. And that's kind of like right at our fingertips. We all have this ability to kind of get this amazing divine guidance from these, these wise guides. And I think we need to tune in and listen. And I think that's what's happening. I think a lot more people, primarily because the world is in such a bad state right now, I think a lot more people are being forced to look inward. And uh, mm -hmm. why not use this amazing form of communication that's right there that can help us? It'll improve our own personal lives, but also ultimately um, the planet. Yeah, yeah, I agree. You know, and you know, with, with regard to humor, I just... Um, I you know, I think maybe the seriousness of um, you know, of uh, you know people who are intuitive and, and kind of pursue that as um, a, a vocation is that you know if they feel if you know injecting injecting humor um, somehow denigrates you know the the, the legitimacy you know of, of messages. I mean I I know that's not true, you know, but I'm you know, but I'm you know from my experience when I have seen um, humor infused into like an intuitive kind of conversation that, that sometimes it, um, I don't know, it, it just seems to, uh, I think it shocks people, but then, you know, I, I, I think that it's purpose is for people to recognize that, you know, this, we don't have to be so serious all the time that we really, you know, could and should laugh. Yeah, oh, yeah, it's very disarming. And, you know, some of the people in my book are very lighthearted, very uh, funny, and but they can still deliver whatever messages, you know, you need. It's it's coming from a light, buoyant kind of place. Um, and there are, I mean, won't get into this long story, but in my book, I don't know if you read Chapter 10, but I got a phone call on Valentine's Day, uh, 2016 Valentine's Day morning. I'm barely dressed. The phone rings. It's like 8:20 a.m. on a Sunday, February 14th, 
And um, it's a Valentine's Day phone call through a medium who called by Albert Einstein from Albert Einstein. And I, it's an interesting story. Did you have a chance to see that chapter yet? Um, no, I haven't. I'm, not, I'm still kind of, that's after the, all of the intuitions. <laughs> yeah, there's so 33 kind of, intuitions. But it, it was the reason I mentioned it, it really was an extraordinary phone call, and it really happened. I wasn't going to put it in the book because I thought people would think I was nuts. But mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, this medium called me out of the blue. She got my number from this energy identified as Einstein and, and had a message to give to me, which I write in the book. But the funny part of it is I'm ready to go into the shower. I'm hardly wearing anything. Um, I only went in my office quickly to check you know, my email. My daughter was at a sleepover, and the phone rang, so I grabbed it thinking, well, maybe she's having problems at her sleepover. And it was this woman I'd never talked to before who said that she was doing her morning meditation and prayers and was directed to call and wish me a happy Valentine's Day by Albert Einstein. And and the message, (laughs) thankfully, I had a tape recorder there, and I tape record all this, and it's in the book. The message is is beautiful. Actually, I'll read the first sentence of the message from him, and it's extremely beautiful. Um, It's basically, hang on. Okay, the first sentence is, Madame, her voice lowered this lady. She turns out she's a medium that lives on Long Island, and she channels and, and gets messages from Einstein and Nikola Tesla and a couple of other en- energies. Madame, I am still focused on the agenda of bringing humankind to the highest, best good. Still focused on the agenda. I mean, he's still at work. <laughs> still, you know, and, he, and I found out later mm-hmm. that he's contacted three different mediums some of the scientists I write about in my book who are studying intuition, um, I am not the only person that, that this energy has come through, uh, to. But basically his message to me was that I'm on the right track with the book. It's going to help a lot of people, et cetera, et cetera. It's, it's in, the, in the chapter. But the humor of it is my daughter came home from my, her sleepover, and my husband said, hey, guess she was 14 at the time. Hey, guess who called mom and wished her happy Valentine's Day? Albert Einstein. <laughs> so my my daughter gave the 14-year-old eye roll, because like, being my daughter, she's kind of heard it all. But it, it's there's there's humor in it. You know what I mean? It's it's ironic and funny and um, disarming. And I think that some of the many of the people in my book, they're not spooky, scary, psychic people. Um, some are a little more serious than others, but they're just regular people with an extraordinary gift, and they've had normal lives. Some have been in abusive relationships, some even divorced. Uh, that's what people tell me when they've read the book. It's like, wow, these people are just regular people, but they just are very gifted. And I'm like, yep, it's true. Yeah, yeah, that's something. Um, well, gosh, we're, we're about halfway through the show already, Marianne, so I want to just take a quick break. And I uh, do want to invite uh, listeners, if you'd like to call in and ask any questions, you can call in at uh, 619-789-4359. And for those listening in the chat room, if you have any questions, feel free to pose them there. And then uh, when we get back, um, Marianne, um, in, in your book you have um, a chapter called Today's Brave Paranormal Explorers. Um, you talk a little bit about a, a, a few different um, people working in that, the research realm. So I want to talk about that when we come back, Okay. Okay. Okay, great. Everyone stay tuned. We'll be right back after this brief break. Hello, this is Robert Sharp. I want to thank you for joining us 
and hope that you are enjoying today's show. Just a reminder that we have a wealth of information and resources available on our website, byteradio.me. There is a calendar of upcoming shows, along with an archive link that will give you access to more than 1,400 shows we have had over the past nine years. Also on the site is a link to the products and services we provide, books, photography, a wellness store, and self-publishing assistance. Our show is a free podcast on iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, iHeartRadio, and TuneIn. And you can subscribe for free on any of those platforms by using the links on our website homepage. We are on many social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, etc. And we also have buttons to those platforms at the top of our homepage. Our website, ByteRadio.me, has much for you to explore and enjoy. I also very much appreciate you supporting our guests, and especially today's guest. And now, back to the show. Okay, everyone, thank you for staying with us. And today, my special guest is Marianne Bohr, and we are talking about her new book, The Gift Within Us, Intuition, Spirituality, and the Power of Our Inner Voice. And again, you can find out more by visiting Marianne's website, which is MarianneBoer.com, and that's M-A-R-Y-A-N-N-B-O-H-R-E-R.com. Okay, so with that, we're back, Marianne. Okay, great. Yes, you wanted to talk about the scientists? Yeah, yeah. You you have up in a chapter in your book called Today's uh, Brave Paranormal Explorers, and you talk about a few of the scientists. So can you tell us, first of all, why did you include these people in in this particular topic in your book? Yes, um, I found three amazing scientists who have been studying what's called PSI, P-S-I, for years um, in various ways. And the reason they're brave in doing so is because the scientific community on the surface uh, really poo-poos any kind of looking into intuition or psychic ability. Um, It's just not looked uh, looked well upon people that do this. And Dean Radin is one of these individuals. And Dean will tell you, if you're looking to get tenure uh, at a university or something, don't study psychic ability because seek, privately these scientists all are interested in this area, but publicly it's a taboo to be talking about psychic and intuitive ability. But nonetheless, Dean Radin, um, Dr. Gary Schwartz, and also Russell Tark are three individuals that spent their career and st- still do study psychic and intuitive ability, um, basically against you know what the scientific community at large thinks is is good and they've made great strides and are continuing to make great strides and making us more aware of the fact that this is a real phenomenon this is not just something woo that somebody made up um and in fact i truly believe that i mean dean Radin has said to me i don't know if in my lifetime i'll see this completely accepted but at least you know somebody has to keep carrying the torch I'm thinking that it's going to happen sooner rather than later because as you see how sped up our communication has become with iPhones, the Internet, all of that, I think the logical next step is that we're going to start 
being more aware um, of human consciousness, that it emanates from this kind of unseen form of communication, which is intuition. But you mentioned Russell Tark in the break. Russell um, was involved with a government program called the Stargate Project, called Remote Viewing. And they were using this, and, and the people in Russia were doing it as well, in other countries. They were utilizing highly gifted, intuitive psychics, mediums, to kind of do remote viewing of perhaps our enemies, um, you know, aircraft or whatever kind of uh, tools were being used to maybe take us to war. And uh, it was just another tool in, in the, their arsenal. So that was Russell Tark. I just talked to Russell the other day, by the way, and he is part of a, mm. it's on Amazon, I think it's on Hulu, a new documentary called Third Eye Spies, S P I E S. It's fascinating. He produced it. I would encourage anyone to, to Google Third Eye Spies, Russell Tark, T A R G. Um, it's an amazing documentary about his work and the work of, of anyone with remote viewing. Um, Gary Schwartz is out of the University of Arizona. He is very close to a breakthrough with, with something that he calls the soul phone. I, I will not give much away, but he's mm-hmm. been studying this communication um, through various means with energies, individuals who, who have passed on, and uh, he's, made, he's simplifying getting that communication to happen. Dean Radin, for years, has been carrying the torch of just raising abil- uh, awareness about psychic and intuitive ability. He's uh, to be commended, as all of these three gentlemen are, for their work, because, again, it was not a popular thing to study in the scientific community. And these guys are all from top universities. I mean, they're highly credentialed. So I think that they're really uh, to be commended for the work that they've been doing and the awareness they've been raising. Yeah, very much. Yeah, like you mentioned, um, uh, Russell Dark, I had him on my show in June of 2013, and we, we talked about his uh, book, The Reality of ESP, and, and that was my first um, introduction to his work. Um, not, I mean, I, I knew about the, the research that was going on um, up, at, up at Stanford, but, but I, I just didn't make the connection. And, and when I read through the book, I mean, um, he – does such a wonderful job of setting up experiments that follow the scientific method, you know, so mm-hmm. that, you know, it, it's, about as, it's about as scientific as you could get when you're dealing with a, a topic that is, that is hard to measure, you know, scientifically. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, he was doing that. And, and then I think, gosh, I can't remember, maybe a couple of years ago or so that there was a, uh, Wikipedia kind of whitewashed his his uh, entry to kind of remove remote viewing, you know, and I think some of that. What? The, the oh story. no! Yeah. Oh yeah. Mm. There was a. Yeah, I mean, he had posted things on there. Gosh, it had to been three or four years ago at least. Um, but uh, yeah. So it, when I saw that, you know, it kind of likens back to what you talked about that you know any um, discussion of the validity of these forces you know, can wreak havoc with uh, one's career. Um, you know, and, you know, to me, I, I, mean, I think it's shifting, but I think it's still pretty strong out there right now. Yes, and it's just like I have another chapter in my book, which we talked about, which basically there are great minds throughout history who've come up with certain theories, and they were often ridiculed and even in some cases almost tortured 
Um, Joseph Lister was a British surgeon who, in 1827, said that he felt people should wash their hands uh, when they were doing surgery, and and that germs could be. Uh, it was called the germ theory of disease. He was laughed at constantly by people. They thought he was nuts, and um, basically he continues research and ultimately. Obviously, and as we know with the pandemic, hand washing, which was once thought nothing of, is now, um, you know, respected. Galileo uh, told everybody that the uh, earth revolves around the sun. And back then it was called geocentrism. The belief was that the sun revolves around the earth. And it had been believed for 1,500 years. So he he was uh, summoned to Rome he had to go and do these Inquisition hearings. He was convicted of heresy. I mean, the, the guy's world was pretty much destroyed. And uh, ultimately, as we all know now, he was right. So I think that these people that are studying psi and psychic ability um, are to be commended. And again, when they go to scientific conferences, other scientists who would never touch this uh, topic with a 10-foot pole will come up to them and secretly say, you know, I've had my own uh, psychic experiences. I've had my own blah, blah, blah. So they'll, they all have that, but they're afraid to come mm-hmm. out and, and say it in public. Yeah, it's strange. You know, and I think for many people whose thought process follows, you know, logic more often than, than not, that um, until they experience something illogical or, you know, supernatural um until they experience it personally there's there are a lot of times going to have that um you know kind of narrow view and but once you personally experience it and i've had several um scientists on who you know have said that you know prior to their experience you know they had one one view worldview um and then afterwards it completely shifted because of that yes and i mean Let's face it, it, it's partially also the fact that this whole area has been disrespected um, in the scientific community and, and just in, at large. It, it's what, you know, the term woo-woo, they, you know, women's intuition. It's got to be downgraded or diminished in some way. And quite frankly, some of our most successful entrepreneurs um, have had these experiences and have been inspired to create what they've created. So sometimes people say, well, you know who who is like this? Well, some of our greatest thinkers and inventors have themselves listened to that inner voice and and been inspired to create what they've created. And um, it, it is that out of the box thinking, that inspiration, that really kind of has led to some of the what you know most largest and most uh, influential discoveries. And, and you know, and you, in your book, you spend some time too talking about you know the scientific breakthroughs that were ridiculed. You know, and, you know, when we look at some of their um, uh, their breakthroughs, their theories, their perspectives, you know, now they seem, they seem to make total sense. But what, you know, what does it say or, or what, how should we um, kind of use the information, recognize that, that maybe some of that are being ridiculed now may be the basis of a truth that we really haven't um, accepted yet. I mean, I think I would just uh, read their chapters and read the chapters about the people that were then ridiculed. I mean, 
it, it does take a very brave person to come out and and spend their whole career basically studying this. Um, I think that in not too distant future, this will be taken much more seriously. It already is. Um, because the old way of thinking is is finally falling by the wayside. Just like I said, we're moving at a fast pace with the advent of Internet and now iPhone and and everything. So Mm -hmm. I think that things are finally starting to change. Certainly that's why I was inspired to write this book, is to, as a PR person, take that old, tired, stereotypic image of intuition and it's the fact that it's Mm -hmm. woo-woo and just completely change the way people view that and realize that it's an amazing tool that we all have access to and it doesn't require um first of all there's no phone bill <laughs> like you would get with an <laughs> iphone or something right um <laughs> the other thing that i say is is when i work with the people on this plane who are my colleagues including the scientists and the gifted people and people like yourself who interview me for whatever radio shows um i have my my um colleagues on the other plane and what I was saying, I was recently interviewed by a famous medium, James Von Prague, and I said, and James, the other benefit of, of working with those other colleagues is that there's no office politics there. Um, and he laughed because it's true. They're not trying to stab you in the mm-hmm. back. I mean, it's it's just a pleasure, and it's just a whole area that some very informed people are open to and understand. Um, there are always going to be those skeptical people that will never really get it. I'm not about changing their mind. But what we found is that Pew Research, P-E-W Research, big organization, they found that the fastest growing category of people are those who identify as spiritual but not religious. In other words, they've Mm -hmm. turned away from traditional religion, I guess maybe the sex abuse scandals, what have you, but they're still yearning for that spiritual connection. That's a huge group that I'm Actually, this book is also meant for, in addition to the informed folks, um, people that are just not into thinking about this at all are just going to argue with you. I, I'm not you know, there to change their mind if, yeah. if they want to listen great. Right. But, you know, I, had, I'll just, I won't say the magazine, but there was a magazine um, that I bought earlier this year that had a cover story on intuition. So I grabbed it. I was in a checkout line. And I read the story, and it basically said intuition is a rational, a reasonable form of getting information, and in fact, in some ways more valuable than the rational mind. And I contacted the journalist afterwards. I didn't recognize any of the scientists that he uh, quoted. And I said, we have to talk. I've written this book. And he got back to me, and he said, Marianne, I don't think we have a lot to talk about because I don't believe in psychic ability. I believe that all intuition comes from our rational brain. And I was like, hmm. I, I, I had nothing to say. <laughs> it it well. just boggled my mind, and I didn't really argue with the man. I just said, oh, I think you're right, but you have your, yeah. you know, your own yeah. opinion. So I think it scares a lot of people because we can't see yeah. it. The research has shown that this does exist, but we're getting more and more clear on it, more savvy about it, and um, and it's a friendly, loving brilliant energy it's it's there uh we've all felt yeah. it and it's it just comes as easily as getting a thought it's very simple so my yeah, book is for those you know, people that are seeking <laughs> yeah and to that man with you know the idea of rational mind i mean so man so much of intuition and, and thought um don't aren't you know from that logical rational mind and you know that it's um you know but you know when you're you're talking about the um you know, 
going through and, and trying to, you know, convince people or are not, you know, they are they aren't going to, you know, you know, change their mind. But the, the one thing I think, you know, why some people are afraid is the, the idea of first of all that there is something that is influencing their lives that they can't see or, or they can't control. Um, you know, that that is um, for some people who are very um, apt to want to control things, that can be a very scary thing. Um, you know, and, and then the idea of, you know, we have free will to choose and, and that, you know, there are um, all of our choices are, um, you know, the idea that we can be guided to making all of our choices I mean, we, we get back, we think about, you know, we have the free will to do, to make our choices. But then, like you mentioned earlier, that, you know, sometimes when it comes to guidance, we aren't, or some of our questions aren't answered because we're meant to go through certain life experience, you know, I'm thinking, is that, you know, we're, we're meant to experience this um, unaided, you know, in, in the sense that, you know, this is kind of, our journey, our decision, you know, we have to kind of go through that. And, you know, and I think for some people that's a scary thought that they're, you know, that that can happen. Yeah, and I, I interview an archbishop, a Catholic archbishop, for my book, which was pretty extraordinary um, because Archbishop Flynn was willing to go on record to talk about this. He's a, we knew him as Father Flynn growing up. He was our, became a bishop, then an archbishop. And I, I called Father, well, I should say Archbishop Flynn, um, after my book was written, before it was published, just wondered what he would say. You know, would he say it's the work of the devil? You know, we can't, we shouldn't believe in this stuff. But quite to the contrary, he said the opposite. And he said um, that uh, there are times when we are in what he called the desert of our soul, where we don't get a lot of guidance. It's rare, but that's part of growing. That's part of evolving uh, as souls. And so there's nothing wrong with that. But he was very positive. I'll read um, just two sentences uh, that's on the back of my book that Archbishop Lynn said. He said, this direct connection has always been available to all of us. Some receive this guidance through prayer, some through meditation, and others by simply listening to their inner voice. We all have access to divine wisdom. It's just a matter of knowing and trusting that we are loved and worthy of receiving that guidance. I mean, Father Archbishop Flynn blew me away with that um, because, again, I tried to write a chapter where I interviewed uh, mm-hmm. rabbis and ministers and priests. Nobody would go on record about about this topic. <laughs> um, yeah, mm-hmm. tough. I don't know exactly why, but... Part of it is because we do have direct access. We don't, I mean, if you are religious, I applaud that. That's great. I support that. However, privately, we actually do have direct connection. We don't have to go to a church. I mean, my church was closed for Easter. The first Easter, I I didn't go to Mass. Um, We have direct access, and I think maybe some religions might find that a bit threatening. I don't know. I don't know. But Archbishop Flynn went on record for me. So he, that was a really, he passed in October, unfortunately, but he was an amazing man. And I was so thrilled that he was so positive about this whole thing. He, um, he said, Jesus had these abilities, saints had these abilities. So he was very gung ho on, uh, giving me the green light to write what he said. And it's in the first chapter of the new spirituality, a lot of his, his, uh, quotes. So, um, but I can also share with you, pardon? 
Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I wanted to share with you as we talked in the break a couple of stories about a couple of the people that I had to get readings from everybody in the book uh, before I could write their chapter. I wasn't testing them. They were all from word of mouth, so I knew they were all very gifted. But just to kind of experience them so I could paint their picture in each mm-hmm. profile chapter, I have a few intro paragraphs where I describe the person. And they're all very different in how they work, um, but all high-integrity, highly gifted people. Oh, and by the way, everyone's contact information is at the back of the book. Should anyone want to call or email and get a reading with any of these people? I felt it was important. It's very hard to find highly gifted people, especially to this degree, um, that people can find them. If you get the book, you'll see their contact info is in there, and you can call and, and connect with them. But I had a reading from a gentleman named Paul Asdig. He lives in Australia. And typically I just turn on the tape recorder and and don't really ask anything. And and at the beginning of my reading with Paul, he said, said, okay, you're one of three children in your family, correct? And I said, yes, because I have a brother and a sister. He said, but there's a fourth child. He said, a boy named Michael who died at a very young age. And I got chills because... My mom had my sister, and then this boy, Michael, who died at a year and a half of pneumonia. I never met Michael. Then my brother was born. Then I was born. And he said he – I never speak of it. I mean, nobody knows this. Mm -hmm. It's certainly nothing you could Google. So he said he just wants you to know that he's around you, he's helping you with this book, and he's sending you love. Well, to me, that's pretty evidential that this person, Paul Asdig, is quite gifted because Michael Mm -hmm. came through and – you know, I wasn't even thinking about Michael, but nobody knows that. Another gal, Virginia Centrillo, is a very gifted medium, lovely person, and she starts reading me, and she said, okay, I, I, you live in this very nice house. I see two giant trees in front of the house, which I have two sycamore trees. And she said, and there was, a, there was an old couple that lived there before you bought it. And sure enough, this old couple lived in this home. He died, and then she died a few years later, and then we bought the home. And she said, and their names were Bernice, which I was shocked. Who has the name Bernice anymore anyway? (laughs) And his name is Adolf. And I said, oh, I'm thinking to myself, his name is not Adolf. I mean, everybody on the block knew Mickey and Bernice, Bernice and Mickey. So I told her, I said, no, his name was not Adolf. And she insisted. She said, yes, his name was Adolf. Well, I'm not there to argue. I take things in. Sometimes things yeah. don't make sense, but they do later. So she goes on with the reading. And, and at the, as the reading ends, afterwards, I go on my computer and I type in my street address of my home. And there's um, p- previous owners. And it says, Bernice and Adolf Markovsky. Well, it turned out he's Jewish. And he hated his given name so much, he never, never used it. He went by Mickey. And even his own daughter, I don't think, really knew his given name was Adolf. Isn't that amazing? Oh, yeah. And, and those, like you say, aren't very common, and particularly if, if uh, <laughs> he wasn't known by that. You know, so, and, yeah, and so, you know, I think, you know, when, you, when you're confronted with that kind of, you know, evidence, um, then, um if you are really inquisitive and curious, then that you know really does then open up more to um, you know to other possibilities as well. Yeah, I really respect these people. That listen, they've they've thrown caution to the wind. They've trusted in what they're getting, and they're very very gifted, and and they were helping so many people. 
um, with this. And they don't really know. I mean, think about it. She, that woman did not know me. The, Paul mm-hmm. Essig didn't know mm-hmm. me. Doesn't. He's strictly getting this intuitively, psychically. Um, so believe me, it, I've had many, many such experiences that are yeah. incredible that nobody would understand. I mean, my daughter was born. She's 18 now. Uh, about two years after my mom passed, and my mom came through in a reading with another gal and said, oh, thank you for naming your daughter's middle name after me, which my daughter's middle name is Marie, which is my mom's name. And I wasn't pregnant or even thinking about having a child when my mom died. And then she went on to describe the room that my daughter has. I love the way you've decorated, my mom says to me, with the the glow-in-the-dark stars on the ceiling, of which there are, we got them at the Science Center, and those beautiful butterfly appliques on the wall uh, behind her headboard, which are there on her wall. I mean, it was she described her room to a T. So you can't, I mean, for me, I've had too many experiences where I know that when you're mm-hmm. in a pure place with a great, highly gifted person, you're going to get the real information. It's, it's, right. it, it, there are people like this. There's a lot of kind of well-meaning but mediocre psychic folk. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But they're mostly picking up information from your own aura, from your hopes, dreams, and fears. So if you get five readings with five kind of mediocre people, you're probably going to hear very different things. Oh, you're going to get that job, or you're going to get back with that boyfriend, when in fact it doesn't happen. When you get readings from super gifted people, although they don't know each other in my experience, I'm often told the very same thing. It's very interesting. Yeah, yeah wow. Um, gosh, we're getting down toward the end of the show already, Marianne, but I want to talk a little bit about the PR business, uh, public relations business. Um, you you worked with some of the biggest companies in the world. Um, mm-hmm. How does – let me put this – how did your um, uh, knowledge or awareness, you know, of the intuitive aspect of, of life, um, how did that – did that – at the time when you were do, working with those large corporations, were you kind of like tuned in? And, and, and how does how does intuition play into public relations? Well, I think that I've always had this deep level of intuition, and you kind of know client's story is going to appeal to journalists. You kind of know when to take no for an answer. You You just know how to approach it. Um, I wasn't, remember, super aware of my intuitive uh, ability that much when I was uh, doing the PR, but I won't go into a long story, but I was doing, I was working at Hill & Knowlton, which is one of the biggest firms in the world, PR firms, and I was doing, uh, you know, Doritos, PR, potato chips, things like that, and it was just not that interesting to me. I mean, let's face it, it was fun, but it was not (laughs) feeding my soul. So I started to do pro bono PR for domestic violence and battered women. I won't go into the mm-hmm. long story, but in a few months, I, for free, I was doing the PR. I get called by Johnson & Johnson. Unbeknownst to me, they were doing a huge campaign um, about domestic violence for feminine protection products, OB tampons, etc. And um, they offered me four times what I was making, uh, hired me as a consultant. Mm-hmm. I did PR for battered women for a couple of years. And then um, I ended up in the White House meeting Mrs. Bush and meeting Senator Biden's office and others getting legislation passed to help uh, battered women. Uh, it was a toll-free domestic violence hotline that um, I'm, I got 
the ball rolling, and now it's been in its 21st year of being federally funded. So it's a long story, but um, basically uh, that was completely divinely guided, and I ended up feeling very gratified that I had been able to to make a change in the world. Mm -hmm. And the same is true of this book. I feel very strongly that I call it being drafted, but I've been guided to kind of (laughs) give these messages to Mm -hmm. people that are going to help them in their personal life, but also ultimately the planet, because we do need their guidance. We need to listen. Left to our own devices, things have kind of gotten out of hand. So I feel that this whole project, this book, and, and the message that I've been given to give is a positive message that's going to help us. And um, Einstein basically yeah. said that when he contacted me, too. I'm like, really? Okay. So it's it's a joy to be called to do this kind of thing, you know? It's it's a lot of fun to be able to make a difference. Oh, it is. It is. It's wonderful. So we're down to the end. So is there maybe any final words that you might want to give to listeners? You know, you mentioned our, our current um, environment and how it's um, – you know, we are really going through challenging times. I would say um, if anyone is interested, you can look at my website, which you've given a couple times, M-A-R-Y-A-N-N-B-O-H-R-E-R.com. I also have an Instagram where I take the pearls of wisdom at the end of each uh, intuitive chapters, and I just do a couple sentences. So these little pearls of wisdom are on the Instagram. I would say also, you know, you can find the book on Amazon, just the gift within us. Just type that in or my name. I think that for each person listening, I think you have a lot of already very informed listeners who are open to this area. Maybe this is resonating with them. They already know this. Um, you might know other people that are struggling a little bit more with everything right now. In part, what you've learned with them, because people need to feel soothed. They need to understand that this form of communication, this divine guidance, it's there for everyone and it's really easy to access. So that would be my main message. And also I want to say one last thing. You know, I have a daughter. I love my daughter. I love my husband, my family, et cetera. But when you have a (laughs) child, when you have a child, you love them super Well, the message I was given to give everyone is that our powers that be are, they love us like that. They cherish us. And we're more than just worthy. I mean, so let's have those allies, uh, those guides, let's connect with them and, and have them help us with our lives and ultimately raise human consciousness. Yeah, exactly. Well, boy, now um, I do want to mention that on your website, uh, Mary Ann Bower, B-O-H-R-E-R.com, um, uh, you also have uh, your all of your social media links on the front so people can join you there, and I've joined you on a few of those already. So mm-hmm. I really wanted to thank you for your time, Marianne. I really enjoyed this chat. Robert, thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. And, you know, um, I'm going to be tuning in on a regular basis. You have some wonderful guests, and uh, you, you really – I'm writing a chapter for my next book about podcasts. I may be in touch with you because I think podcasts <laughs> like this, radio shows – no, they're, they're, you're doing an enormous service, yeah. so we'll, we'll talk again. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's, I'm already coming up on my 11th year, so I have – Wow. I have learned so much from everybody that have, that have been guests on here. It's just been a, a true um, – delight for me so yeah feel free to contact me anytime and and i think uh, we're connected on social media so we'll be able to to chat easily so again thank you for your time marianne all right robert thank you so much and take care
Thank you. You as well. Again, everyone, today my very special guest has been Mary Ann Bower, and we've been talking about her new book, The Gift Within Us, Intuition, Spirituality, and the Power of Our Inner Voice. And again, you can find out more by visiting her website, which is maryannbower.com, and that's M-A-R-Y-A-N-N-B-O-H-R-E-R.com. So, everyone, I want to thank you for joining us for this edition of the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. And until we meet again, thank you for tuning in. You've been listening to the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Remember, our show is available as a free podcast from Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio. To follow our show, visit our homepage at byteradio.me and select the platform you use most. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Byte Radio Me. Until we meet again, remember to be a bright light by bringing inspiration to your world and to the lives of those you touch.